Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Um, big words and lots of words, heaping them up, up on top of each other and, and things like that. He says, no, just be quiet about it. And the same with giving uh, your 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 goods to other folks, your kinds of access. Don't, don't maybe broadcast them all over the Facebook or social media. Although sometimes I think it's, it is good to, like, here, we're, we're serving these people. But anyway. Uh, and the same with, with fasting. People today would, uh, like, make themselves look as disfigured as they could to, to let people know that they had been fasting. And Jesus said, you've already gotten all your reward that you will get from this. Uh, if you do these acts of piety with a, an eye towards bringing about glory and recognition to yourself. Um, so we're, it's going to seem like this passage uh, is a departure from what's gone before us about those things. Uh, but one of the things that I love about scripture is the way in which there are connections between sections. Uh, I, I don't know if you, in your Bible, if you have... Uh, it's split up into like headings. There's little headings about, uh, you know, every section. So today's, uh, the, the verse that we started with is uh, concerning treasures. That's the, the couple of verses there. And then my next little clump says the sound eye. And the, the final one says serving two masters. And and we get into the habit of maybe like just reading these things in chunks and and not understanding them in the flow of what the author has written, what Jesus himself is saying. And, and so this whole Sermon on the Mount is really oriented around uh, being faithful, uh, faithfully learning what it means to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Uh, in the church, we call that discipleship. To be a disciple is someone who sits at someone's feet to, to learn and to, to, in Jesus' day, it would have been to imitate everything that, that that teacher did. The teacher talked a certain way, you would begin to talk that way. If the teacher dressed a certain way, you would, you would dress in the way of that teacher. And so discipleship is learning to be like the master. And of course, uh, the master that we serve is Jesus Christ. Um, and I think that in these sections, one of the... the what Jesus is highlighting right now, and especially in the chunk of verses that we have read today, Jesus is highlighting roadblocks, uh, barriers to our ability to live and grow as faithful and obedient disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, so these are roadblocks. Three of them, uh, pretty simple stuff, but I think we'll, we'll make all those connections it's really easy, though, I, and I want to say this at, at the very beginning because this is where I have often started when reading passages of Scripture like this. Uh, it ends up with me feeling a lot of shame and guilt about uh, things like money because that's kind of what this is geared towards, these, these statements. And um, two things I think are important. One... Um, Part of why Jesus is addressing it this way is wealth in Jesus' time in Israel was often seen as a sign that God had blessed you. 
uh, that you were righteous in a significant way. In, in the same way, poverty was a mark that you had been sinful. Same with uh, uh, birth defects or disease, um, blindness, things like that. So I think Jesus does that to, to kind of correct a little bit of, of what uh, his peers are thinking. Um, the other thing is I, I think that uh, Jesus was speaking to disciples who weren't on, they weren't the cream of the crop, right? And a lot of the people who had gathered to hear him, uh, to hear him preach, to hear him teach, weren't, were also not the cream of the crop. They were not the smartest or the wealthiest or the, or the bestest. bestest. They, were, uh, they were down here. They were down here. And so I think Jesus is speaking to people who are, uh, well, are they not in the place necessarily to uh, store up treasures here on earth for themselves. But I think the, the words that Jesus say are also, well, they're applicable to us who, as Americans, have, be- have beyond most people's ability to imagine been so richly blessed. Um, we have uh, an abundance of good things, and our, our posture should always be thankfulness for the fact that we have what we do. It's funny, though, in, in this particular section, Jesus doesn't give us a prescription on how we avoid uh, these roadblocks necessarily. I have some ideas about that. We'll, we'll get to the end. And next week, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more with the next section. Um, so, uh, verse, verse 19. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up uh, for yourselves treasures in heaven whether neither moth nor rust consumes where thieves do not break in and steal, for there where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So yeah, he's giving us what we need to do is not tre- uh, store up treasures on earth, but to store up treasures in heaven. But he doesn't necessarily tell us how we might go about doing that. What change needs to take place so that our lives might be reoriented from maybe being only concerned about what we have and what we might gain and uh, what might matter truly uh, as we learn to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, so he, he contrasts this. Uh, there's, there's two things, right? There is treasures here on earth which moth and rust can destroy and a uh, thief can break in. Now, there were no banks in Jesus' day, and so it was really common to dig a hole in the ground in maybe a field that you owned, or in the floor of your house, because you didn't have, like, carpet, right? And to bury your treasure there. Uh, and you know what happens to things in the ground. Like, ultimately, if they're not protected in the right kind of way, um, well, they might, they might degrade, especially fabrics and things like that, where um, if you're not cut off from the elements, critters are going to get to them, uh, and so, also, your house would have been made of bricks that had not been uh, fired to make them strong. And so, literally, it would have been easy for someone who wanted to get into your house to bring a shovel or a pick or something like that and to dig a hole in the side of your house and to then dig a hole to get to your, get to your treasure. Um, the second part is treasures in heaven, right? 
Jesus' uh, audience would have understood, this is a common image for them, that um, the things that they did that were good, uh, the way they took care of the poor, the way they prayed, and, and the things that we, we talked about last week, were actually ways in which they built and stored up for themselves treasures in heaven. Now, I think, um, uh, I think two things about that. One, we belong to a tradition that uh, reacted really strongly against the idea that we might do things to earn our way into God's kingdom or to earn our salvation. That's part of the whole Protestant Reformation thing, right? Um, so when we think about treasures in heaven, we are not thinking necessarily that the more good that we do will somehow make our salvation better or more secure. Uh, the treasures that we might uh, build in heaven, if we do, they're always a response. They're always a response to the goodness and the graciousness and the gifts that God has given us. Um, I, I think um, part of what Jesus is saying here, and uh, again, remember, it's discipleship. If we have stored up our treasures here, if our treasures are held uh, in our hand tightly, do we don't want to give them up. Uh, there's, a, there's a significant chance that, well, that shapes who we are as a people. It shapes who we are as, as individuals. It colors how we see the world. And it says to us, there isn't enough. I don't yet have everything that I need when really it may be everything I, I want. Uh, and it shapes us to be people who are, well, um, we'll get to that in the next section. But you become, I think, what you love. Uh, and Jesus is very clearly saying, the stuff that we might value here and now, um, as lovely and wonderful as it is, our money, the things that we have, that's not what, well, that's not worthy of the love that we have and we have been given. It, it's about who we're going to decide to follow, right? Are we going to decide to follow all of the stuff or are we going to decide to follow the one who is giving us today our daily bread. Uh, I think those two things are, are, really, are really connected. Um, and if we decide that we are going to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven, uh, it means that we are seeking to love and to, to be like the master who has called us to follow. We become like what we love. If we love God and our neighbor, I think we grow to be generous and kind and compassionate and giving. If we love our stuff, I think we become greedy and, well, unsatisfied, always insecure, seeking more and more. Now, guilt, that's not what I'm talking about. Like I said, we have been blessed uh, immensely by God. And I don't think, I don't think that you're working in this world to store up a retirement 
account, uh, which, you know, we do. Uh, not that the economy has been gentle to retirement accounts uh, in any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I don't think God wants us not to, to have a house that's going to, to protect us from the elements. I don't think God doesn't want us to have a car so that we can go to our jobs and go to church and all of those things. I don't think our affluence is necessarily wrong. Because I think God needs and calls people who have resources to do God's work in the world. That, that the things that we have been given, uh, they are gifts from God. And when we, when we hold them loosely, when we declare that we love God more than we love our stuff, um, I think it's, there's freedom. There's freedom in that. And we begin to be able to use the gifts that God has given us to bless the people around us. Now, um, there are ways other than financially to be, uh, well, to be generous. Uh, Time and resources, uh, your skill in doing things uh, that other people don't have a skill uh, for. Okay, you are what you love. Jesus is saying, store up treasures in heaven by loving God and loving your neighbor through all of the good gifts that God has given to you. Don't store up all of your things because ultimately they decay and fall away. All right. This next one is fun. Uh, he goes on and says, the eye is the lamp of the body. Uh, I gotta, yeah, there we go. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if the eye is unhealthy, the whole body will be full of darkness if then the light is in you, uh, if then the light is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Um, I don't have healthy eyes. I went, I went golfing with uh, Jesse Berg a couple weeks ago. I don't have my contacts in. And uh, I'm not a good golfer. Uh, most of the time, if the ball does go straight, the second shot will hit it somewhere not straight. And uh, so consequently, I'm always looking for my ball. It could be bright pink, which actually I think that day was bright orange. Anyway, in, in brown grass. You would think, even if the ball was white, that I would be able to see it um, and know. Every time, where's my ball? Jesse's like, it's over there. Like, How did you see that? I, that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not, he's not talking about necessarily the health of our vision. Although I think we might take that a little metaphorically as well. Um, The word for healthy eye or unhealthy eye really could be translated uh, stingy. I I know that seems seems weird. Uh, But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Uh, So translate, translate that a little bit differently. But if your eye is stingy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Uh, the Jews would have believed that, that your eyes, like that what was inside came out your eyes. Not necessarily like we believe today, like stuff hits your eyes and you're able to make a picture of that in your, in your brain because of light and cones and rods and whatever. And so Jesus is saying, like, if you have a stingy eye, 
That means that what's inside is, well, it's darkness and it's, it's black. But if you have a healthy eye, uh, then what's in you is, is full of light and generosity. Um, stingy eyes. Uh, y'all know anybody stingy? Again, I don't have good eyes. I'm stingy. <laughs> uh, and maybe it's a function of how I grew up. Um, but again, I think that Jesus is saying, uh, stingy eyes are a roadblock. They are an obstacle in the way of you being a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. It is a roadblock from keeping you to, from being the disciple that God is calling you to be. And the opposite of stingy, I think, is generous. So maybe, uh, the eye, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is generous, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is stingy, your whole body will be full of darkness. You know generous people when you see them, right? Well, maybe not when you see them, when you interact with them. There are just some people who ooze generosity. My mother-in-law was one of those people. Uh, in- incredibly, incredibly generous. Just kind of oozed oozed out of her. Um, she, had, she had generous, generous, compassionate eyes. I think Jesus is calling us. He's saying, if you, as individuals, if you as the Heartland Church want to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ, then your eyes must be generous. That you might see the world not as... Um, well, not as scarcity, but as gift from God. I, there's, a, there's a whole, well, I, I learned about it in school, and so you can take that as what you want. Um, there's a way of looking at the world that is driven by the myth of scarcity. That there, will, that there is not enough to go around. We are, we are conditioned to believe that there is not and never will be enough to go around, for everybody to have what they need. I think Jesus, in this sense, in this passage right now, says that, look, I'm the one who created all of this. I, I spoke it into existence with merely my words. The myth of scarcity is, is wrong. And I don't want to say that the more we're generous, the more God will bless us, because sometimes it doesn't work that way. But I do think that, that when we believe that God who created our world is able to provide in ways that we can't ask or imagine, right? We say that every week. Who is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we could ask or imagine. That in God's economy, there is abundance. In God's economy, uh, we give. In God's economy, uh, folks have enough. That's the kingdom of God, and it's not quite here yet. But God is calling us to have generous eyes, to participate in God's economy, bringing God's kingdom.
Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate one or love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Again, I want to reiterate that I don't think wealth is bad. And I think hate in in this passage is is a little strong. It's not necessarily what we mean when we say hate. Uh, It it really has to do with commitment. Um, You are either going to be committed to one master and fully serve that one or mostly serve that one, or you're going to be committed to the other one. God doesn't ask for just part of our attention part of our commitment. I think God asks for all of our, our commitment. Uh, and in the context of this, we have to decide who are we going to be a disciple of? Uh, is it things? Is it money? Is it time? Is it power? All the things that you can grasp after? Or is it God who gives abundantly and generously? Is it God who calls us to be generous? If, if there's anything other than love that I think our world needs most, it's generosity. It's generosity in our time as we deal with other people. It's generosity in our in our finances and resources. Generosity in our disagreements, in our arguments. It's generosity with our children and our children's friends and our children's enemies and our enemies. We have to decide which master we will serve whether that master is the master that calls us to be protective of our stuff and our things, or if that's the master who calls us to be generous, uh, sharing the good gifts that God has given to us. If, If Jesus was all about love, if God's nature is love, I think that Love produces generosity. And I think that the meal that we do every week, well, besides being the ultimate act of love, giving oneself for for the other, I think it is also the ultimate act of generosity. It It is God saying, there is more than enough. There is more than enough of me to go around. That as I give of myself for the creation that I created and the creation that I love, there's more. That in the act of giving, we actually, well, we create something. In the act of generosity, we, we birth something new into the world. In, in generosity, we, well, it's, Maybe it's one of the best expressions of our love for God and for neighbor. Now, I'm not trying to make you to give money to the church. I mean, if you want to, cool. 
church isn't, church isn't where everything comes together. It's where we come together to go out, right? So as we come forward to receive this generous meal, notwithstanding the fact that the pieces are like that big, contemplate, contemplate how you can be generous. If money's an issue, don't worry about it. Find another way to be generous. If money isn't an issue, find all kinds of ways to be generous, not just with your money, but yourself too. God is calling us as, as his disciples, not just to be loving, but to be generous as well. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your grace and your gifts of love to us. Thank you for the generosity um, that you have given to us. That uh, there is always more uh, of you to give. That you're never going to run out of your divine resources. As we contemplate our lives, help us to confess our stingy eyes. Help us to confess the way we have tried maybe to serve both you and all of our stuff at the same time. Help us to live in your economy, the economy of abundance. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be generous. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.